Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Texas Outdoor Musical and this is it. Opening night is this week. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you heard new Texas artistic director Stephen Crandall talking about his vision for the show back in March. And finally, it's time to see this new vision take effect at Pioneer Amphitheater in Paladero Canyon. Tickets for the show are selling fast, but you can still get them online at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Budget Blinds online at budgetblinds.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com or pick up a copy at local newsstands today. Today's guest is Gloria Cabrera. Gloria was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and she moved to Amarillo with her husband, a cardiologist, as an adult and as a mom. She didn't know the language. She didn't know the city. She didn't know anybody here. And she was a professional at the time. She'd been working in Puerto Rico as a clinical psychologist who worked with women who had drug addictions. But she set much of that aside for the next couple decades to raise her family here in Amarillo. And in the process, she found herself struggling with her purpose, with weight gain, with emotional eating and other challenges. And all of that set her on a path toward wellness and becoming a certified life coach. When I first heard her story, there were just so many elements of it that interested me. So I was thrilled that we got a chance to to talk. Here's Gloria Cabrera. Gloria Cabrera, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me here. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I know that there are a lot of different parts of your story that we may end up talking about, but I like to start at the beginning with all of my guests and just ask you how you ended up in Amarillo in the first place. Yes. Well, really, uh, we ended up here because my husband had a great opportunity uh, of practicing what he loved here. Okay. He joined a group of physicians here. And, you know, we were young and with a lot of energy and a lot of hopes and, you know, mm-hmm. dreams. And we said, let's do it. We don't know what's Amarillo. We don't know what is there. But this group seems to be, you know, it's been around for years. So, we got in a plane and we got here. Okay. What what kind of physician is he? <laughs> He's a heart doctor. A heart doctor. Okay. Yes. When did you come here? What so, year was that? 1996. Okay. 26 years ago. And where were you before that? Well, uh, Puerto Rico. Okay. So um, I was born in Cuba. When my parents left Cuba when I was one. Okay. So I was really raised in Puerto Rico. I've never been to Cuba. I want to, but not yet. When did they leave? Was it when oh, everybody else left? Yes. <laughs> the... I mean, it was 62. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. That's... And they were very young. They left with nothing, mm-hmm. just a baby. <laughs> that was me. Uh, and yeah, we arrived to Puerto Rico and there we spent all our life. Hmm. Grew up there? Grew up, raised there. All my family's there. Okay. Uh, met my husband there. Got married there. <laughs> I'm always interested in people who grew up in Puerto Rico, um, what their relationship is to the United States. Because obviously it's a territory of the United yes. States. But the U.S. 
often forgets about Puerto I Rico. Know. <laughs> you don't have representation. Do you consider your like? Does it feel like I'm a Puerto Rican before I'm an American? Uh, what, what's that relationship like? You know, I love that you asked me that because it's really a question that some people doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Does, when we got here, people were like, wait, you don't need a passport to go to Puerto Rico? Tell me more about that. Right. So people there, we have a strong culture. We are Puerto Rican first, mm-hmm. even though we are part of the United States. No matter what, we have our flags. We have our national song. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very proud of that. If we go to the Olympics, that little group that is there, you're cheering for <laughs> is from for Puerto Rico. Um, we have our athletes that they represent Puerto Rico. We got we have a great baseball team, right. uh, all that. So it's like I, I don't know if they may describe it like that, but it's like having the best of both worlds right now. We are our own country. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we are part of the United States. We have that this big umbrella that we feel is like a protection. Okay. Because, you know, we're small island. Provides maybe some stability that a lot exactly. of independent exactly. nations don't have. Yeah. And it's, you know, most people think it's one way that maybe the state will give us everything. But we also provide our things. So it's having like that extra protection and the island is very divided in some people want to be removed. We don't want to be part of this United States anymore. But then the other half is no, 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 no. Okay. Let's keep it like that. Do you, when, when you think about your family and your identity, do you think of Puerto Rico first or do you think of Cuba? I think Puerto Rico. Okay. I always have my Cuban background. How about your parents? Oh. They're Cuban, right? They're Cuban. They are Cuban. And if you ask, for example, my sister that live in Florida, where there's a strong Cuban culture there, she will say, I'm Cuban. Okay. You know, um, but I feel Puerto Rican because I was one when I was right. there. That's all and you That's knew. all I know, you know, but always in my background is Cuban. So you, I, I'd like to hear about the process of coming to Amarillo. I mean, obviously, a lot of people arrive here because they have a job opportunity. Yes. Um, sometimes they have family here. Sometimes they know the city before they come. It feels to me like you didn't know Amarillo very well before Nothing. you arrived. Tell me, tell me what that was like. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, we made the decision. I've never been here. Know anything about it? I don't. We didn't have any family. Mm-hmm. Not even friends. We didn't know anybody. We arrived here. In the middle of the night, 26 years ago, okay, there was nothing. I remember looking at the window with my three babies, two, one, and three months. Oh, wow. And I That's a pretty them. tight grouping of, of Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Carried a bunch of baby things. And I look at the window like, where are we? <laughs> what time of year was it? What season? It was summer. Okay. I was, everything looks so... You know, it was dark. Mm-hmm. It was the middle of the night. Uh, we got a rental car. We put out our things. But, you know, we were so excited. Um, so we got to our rental house, and we didn't have any furniture. All we had were toys <laughs> and children things. And 
after we get there, we look at each other and we see like, oh my gosh, where are we? What have we done? We're, we're right. alone here. We don't have anybody. So it was a real um, shock. You know, you're coming from living for 30 years in this island yeah. surrounded by water and palm trees. Rainforest and, in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. And only one weather and it's warm and humid the right. whole time. And you come here 26 years ago and you don't see anything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, let's look at it as an adventure. <laughs> Had you been to Texas before? No, never, never. Not even Texas. Was I'm curious at, and maybe this was your husband's decision, but of, of the career choice, mm -hmm. you know, why why follow the opportunity here? Like, presumably, yes. he could have worked in a number of different places. He yes. could have stayed in Puerto Rico. I mean, what, what well, was behind that decision? We know we knew that when he was done with his, with, uh, with his cardiology fellowship, he wanted to come to the state. And we agreed to that. 26 years ago, the opportunities in the island for the doctors were not as good as here. So that was a given. We're going to come to the States. Texas, I think um, they offer him uh, things, the opportunity to grow mm -hmm. as a physician, the opportunity to come to already established group uh, which he doesn't need to do every night. Build call. up his own practice. Exactly. Or and he doesn't have to be doing calls by himself, right. you know. So all that, he came and visited the town. And he said, well, yeah, this is small, but you, you'll be okay. Mm -hmm. That was it. He said, okay, I trust you. <laughs> How long did it take you before you were okay? Hmm. Was he right? He was right. Okay. He was right. Um, it took me maybe the second day we were here. I will tell you this story. He, he went to work, and I was there in an empty house with my three kids. I don't know anybody. I don't even know where the grocery store is. My English is not the best. Mm -hmm. So I hear this knock on the door. I open the door, and here comes the neighbor with an apple pie. And, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm here if you need anything. I said, oh, thank you. Maybe 10 minutes after, I have the other neighbor. I ended up with my baby five, maybe five pies. Wow. And cookies. Okay. And for me, that was a shock because we don't do that right. where I come from. That kind of hospitality yes. feels that feels like a, a very Amarillo thing to me, but yes. it was surprising to you. It then. was surprising because where I come from, we tend to live in our own houses. Mm -hmm. We are, you find that kind of hospitality like in the little towns in the middle of the mountains somewhere in Puerto Rico. But I was like, oh my gosh. So my husband comes from work and he said, you won't believe this. All those patients, they were so grateful I was there. I felt like the king of the world. And look, they brought me a lot of pies. <laughs> so I will never forget. I look at him and I said, well, do you see that? 
So we look at each other and we say, we're going to be fine. Your first few meals was all pie. All pies. But you know what? We said, we're going to be fine. Uh, you mentioned the, the smaller towns in Puerto Rico. Did did you grow up in the city? Like, were you raised in an urban environment, like in San Juan? Or was it someplace no, else? No, I was raised in Ponce. Okay. It's in the south part of the island. My husband was raised in San Juan. Okay. So I know what it is to live in a small place where everybody knows everybody and everybody knows what everybody's doing um, and not too much to do. Uh, but he was more of the city-like person. Okay. So, so we've, we've talked about his job and, mm-hmm. and that's what brought you here. But I know that you had your own career. And I wonder if you could talk about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, when we moved, I'm a psychologist by training. And I was working with people with, um, you know, addictive personality, uh, alcoholic, drug addicts, all that. But we talk about it and we always said, if it is possible, I want to stay home and raise my kids. Mm-hmm. That's, that's was my decision. So once we moved here, I dedicated my life to raise my kids. So, you know, very busy mom mm-hmm. with well, kids. <laughs> three children under two years old. I, yes, I can't imagine that. And um, going up and down. And uh, I just wanted to, since I know my husband that have these long hours, at least one parent there mm-hmm. with them. How many years had you practiced as a psychologist? I practiced uh, maybe four or five okay. in Puerto Rico. And then I put everything on hold. For years and years, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't regret it because that was my choice, and I wanted to be there for my kids growing up. Tell me at what point you started thinking about taking all those career ambitions off of pause. You know, a lot of people identify with having yes. done that, moms and dads, you know, yes. for their kids, but that is a pretty common story. You have... Uh, someone who has a successful career of their own, mm-hmm. their spouse also has a successful career, and in a place like Amarillo, where the um, you know the standard of living is not quite as expensive as other places, it is possible for only one spouse to work. Yeah. Uh, and then you get to the point where you know your kids are eighteen or they don't need you, and you can start to think about resuming your career. So I wonder if that was the case for you. It definitely was. Uh, it was very hard. I got very depressed. You know, when your life evolves around your kids mm-hmm. 24-7, and all of a the sudden they're grown, and they have their own life, their own career, and they don't even live close by. Yeah. <laughs> You're alone most of the time. Uh, my husband worked long hours, so he's not there too late at night. And one night I, I was like, no, no, no. You know, uh, I'm, I was eating all my emotions because I didn't want to tell him how, how I was feeling. And that happened with a lot of women. We want, we've been raised to be like the strong person, you know. We don't need to show those emotions. We need to support our husbands. Mm-hmm. And, and then we start eating all those emotions. And Plus your neighbors keep bringing you pie, right? Exactly. <laughs> By then I think they stop. <laughs> but, um, you know, you say, so what now? Mm-hmm. You know? So I take a good look at me and I said, okay, you know, by then, I have gained, I don't know, I was 280 pounds. Okay. Um, I didn't exercise. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was so down and depressed. 
my husband has my uh, dad has passed away my mom it was a lot of things together mm-hmm. and i didn't look at the mirror i don't know how many years because i didn't want to look right the reality of what i was going through so my husband being a heart doctor he was always checking on me and said well you're still healthy but it's going to come a time that you won't going to the doctor and that's the first time I said, oh, my goodness, I'm almost 300 pounds, you know. I am not healthy. My mind is not good. Mm-hmm. So then the psychology in me, I'm starting to research. I was going to say, you had you had <laughs> some training to deal with, <laughs> yes. with some of those things you were going through. But sometimes we know the things, but we don't know how to do it, right? Right, right. Um, it's like the doctor who is unhealthy. You exactly. Know? We preach, but we don't do mm-hmm. <laughs> the things we preach. So anyways, I started studying, and I got myself a great coach, a wellness coach. And this person guided me so good so to what I needed to do to just get all that emotional baggage, get to discover my real me, my authentic, authentic me, and stop wearing those masks that we go around wearing so people will like us or you know, pretending. Mm-hmm. And that with a good, healthy lifestyle made the whole difference. Hmm. So I study wellness, I got certified, and um, I, when I started seeing clients, the first thing they do when they come to me is, okay, when I lose weight. But it's very important, and that's the first thing I tell them, it's good that you want to lose weight. For you are not going to achieve that healthy lifestyle unless you change your mindset. Right, right. And that's what happened to me. I did all the diets in the world, Mm -hmm. all of them. But if you don't make those changes in your mind, your body is not going to follow. There's a lot of diet culture Mm -hmm. in the United States, in the Western society, that is unhealthy because it's about maybe denying yourself or not eating the things you want to be eating. There's a lot of like punishment, self-punishment involved in it. And that is, the goal might be healthier, but psychologically it's not healthy. And I wonder, like you're in a position as a psychologist, as someone who's gone through that journey, I think maybe to talk about that, like, like what's, what's the healthy balance for someone? Yes. And I think that comes with a mindset, you know, there's a bunch of diets out there. And they all can work, but for how long? Mm-hmm. The only way you're going to maintain your healthy weight is if you really change your habits and change your behavior and learn to say no mm-hmm. to the things that are hard to say no. If you don't do that, you're going to go back to your old habits. So no matter what, any, I, I don't like to call it diet because diet involves that thing in your mind that said, you can't eat this, you can't eat right, that. Right. How sustainable is that? You're not going to live like that your whole life. So you need to adopt a lifestyle that is good for you. And you and me are two different people, so we're not going to be doing the same thing. Right. But the same thing will be the way we Think about our health, our relationships, our life, 
our work, those all those things include wellness. And you have to work on all those to be able to have a good well-being and feel satisfied and happy and empowered. But if you don't change your mindset, they won't work. So you are you are working now. You've created your own career as yes. a, a lifestyle and wellness coach. Mm-hmm. Um, are your clients mostly local, or do you have clients outside this area? I have local pl- uh, clients, most of them, but I also have clients in Puerto Rico because we're so lucky that after COVID, we got Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We had it before then, but I know, nobody but I didn't know it. Nobody was it. comfortable with it. Now it was forced upon us. Exactly. So. Uh, you were forced to learn about right. that. Uh, so I have clients uh, on, that I see on Zoom, and they love it because they can even be on vacation and mm-hmm. we can still meet. Uh, and also I work with some companies that because I'm very passionate about health and wellness in the workplace. Where you work, you spend most of your day. Right. And if you don't come or work in a good, positive environment, you're going to bring that home. So I work in Puerto Rico with a few companies, and we train the, the boss, and then we talk to the, all the employees. Did you ever, when you were thinking about returning just to uh, the workplace, you know, mm-hmm. having been a stay-at-home mom for, for so long, did you ever think about resuming your career as a psychologist? Mm-hmm. Was that an option? Yes. I mean, obviously you found something where you are using that training, yes. but it's it's in a less, maybe you're not licensed or, or whatever. I don't know what the, yes. the designation is. But. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm a licensed. Okay, you uh, are? Wellness, yes. You licensed have to wellness? Be, yes. Um, you need to be licensed to be a wellness okay. coach, okay. or at least that's the higher thing or the ethical thing. To okay, do. I understand that. Um. Licensed as a psychologist in Puerto Rico, but actually, when I was working with my coach, I was in the process of trying to renew my license, and then here, which talking to my coach made me realize that for me, coming from a point of coaching, it was more positive. In therapy. You go all the way back to all your trauma in childhood, mm-hmm. which is very important, but it, it just stay there. Coaching, you work with the now. Okay, well, this is what we're dealing with now. Let's see what we can do. And it's more of a positive, and that attracts me a lot. Okay. So I still take my um, continual education in psychology and go to meetings, but I then, all my energy went to wellness. Okay. You're still licensed, though, in Puerto Rico. Uh, no. Right? Or did, did that I stopped expire? Okay. even uh, pursuing that because this, for me, was so positive and uplifting, and mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that option to, to the people. And most of the people here have never heard of a wellness coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a thing that is what is coming. And in some of the big cities, even all the doctors have wellness coaches in their offices. So this is something that is coming and it's very important because is to prevent, especially mental health, obesity, diabetes, all that. We spend all the money in all this illness instead of preventing. And this is to help prevent. So obviously you're not 280 pounds anymore. No. You, you, 
and, and it's never good to talk about weight. I understand, but well, like you, gonna... you lost a lot of weight. Well, let me tell you because I want to be very honest. I try everything. Mm-hmm. Even, I even had surgery. Okay. For weight loss, but I discover, and that's something I was talking to my coach about. Even with the le- uh, weight loss surgery, I was started to gain weight back because my mind didn't change. My mindset and my old habits didn't change. So surgery doesn't doesn't no, fix those mental things. You may lose some pounds at the beginning, but your habits are going to take over you again. So you have to do the hard work. You have to do the the you have to say no to things to be able to acquire these new habits. And that's what really made the difference. I was able to stabilize in a in a way that I'm I'm good. I don't have anything. I have any diabetes. Nothing. Thank God. But um, yeah, I mean, you you have to do the hard work. I, I wanted to ask you. You know, obviously, this this period of transition is one that a lot of women can identify with. Being mm-hmm. being in middle age, having sort of. Um, you know, the, their their lives change when when children grow up, having to kind of rethink themselves. Yes. Um, and, and so there's that aspect of it. There's also, I think, a cultural aspect of health where people living in some parts of the country mm-hmm. have different health outcomes from other people. Yes. Uh, you, you look at lists of, you know, the least healthy cities, and they're all in the South. A lot of them are in Texas. Yes. Compared to like Denver or someplace like that, where everybody seems healthy, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about like having lived in yes. one culture, which is Puerto Rico, having lived in another culture here in the Panhandle. What are some differences? What are some things that you've seen that contribute maybe to to people's poor health outcomes? Well, I'm going to tell you something that uh, I've experienced, even when we visit my husband's family in Spain. Okay. They their culture there. It's very different in the sense that they're not in a rush all the time. They take their time to have their meals. And if you compare that to the way we live here, we're always rushing. Mm -hmm. We're always stressing. We're always trying to achieve the next goal. Um, We work from 8 to 5, 8 to 6. We're like robots, right? If you go there, people, they take their break at 2, 2 to 4, everything close. Because they're going to go home. They're not going to go to a fast food. They go home. They have their meals with their family. They take their time eating. They enjoy their meals. They know what they're eating. They take naps if they want. And then they go back and work. The other thing is they walk, they walk everywhere. Here, we use the car to go everywhere. So there you have movement, and then you have the way you eat your meals and not being in that constant stress. You know, it's it's just they enjoy everything in their life, even if they're not maybe um, achieving or being high producers, Mm -hmm. because most of them are not. I have family that live there. And they are happier than a lot of people that I know that have a lot of money. Because it's the quality of life. Right. That is important for your well-being. And that's so, 
complicated mm-hmm. culturally. It is. Because a lot of, let's say a lot of the benefits we enjoy today in the United States are because people worked really hard. Exactly. Um, or worked long hours to develop a technology or, or whatever that might be. Um, but there also is so much value personally mm-hmm. to a slower lifestyle, mm-hmm. maybe even a less productive lifestyle. Yes. And and so we've got this drive for productivity. And that's not an Amarillo thing. That's not a Texas oh, thing. It's, it's all over the United States. It's all States. over, yes. Um, but it, it is complicated to think about what are the trade-offs because there are trade-offs to they both, are. both of those types they of lifestyles. Are. And I think, you know, like you said, is 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 a balance sometimes. But like when I work with companies and their employees, um, maybe give them some time to walk. You know how uh, how many hours just you're sitting down on a table looking at a computer? Human beings are built to move, mm-hmm. you know, not to be in a computer sitting. So maybe give them some time to walk around. Um, so little things that maybe we can adjust in our culture can help. So if we add movement and we add what we maybe give to our employees to eat or options that I have seen in doctor's offices <laughs> that are not the most healthy, uh, it's just doing little by little. And the rest of your options, you know, you, my husband works a lot. Mm-hmm. and He's that kind of mind, you know, not work, 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 and then I'll retire and slow down. His brothers are the opposite. They live in Spain. They're like, no, we work to live. We don't live to work. And that's an individual choice, I think, for a exactly. lot of people. Exactly. It is individual. I'd like to uh, kind of close this section. You're someone who lived about half of your life, I guess, in Puerto Rico yes. and the other half in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Does Amarillo feel like home? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Uh, we have set roots here. We raised our three children here. Uh, they got a great education from here, from the schools here. We've been very lucky to have great friends that are like families to us. And they've been with us in good times and not so good times. And even if I don't see them as much, they I still love them like the first day we met them. So, and that, wherever we go, will always stay with us from Amarillo. How long did it take for you to feel like you were at home in Amarillo? I mean, I know you told the story about the pie and a couple, you, you were being taken care of, but that's a difference yes. in feeling like, okay, I, I'm, I'm not an outsider anymore. This is, this is my place. Yes, I think it helps, you know, I think you have to open yourself to the culture for the culture to, you know, give to you and get to you. If you close yourself and and get that negative mentality, then you're not going to go anywhere. So I decided, you know, my English is not the best, but I need to go to the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I need to do my errands. I need to do my things. So I put myself out there. And, you know... People were so gracious, you know, if they didn't even know what I was saying, they will, oh, this is what you're looking for. And and little by little, it's the little things, you know, that help you feel like home. Was the process of learning English 
a formal one? Like, did you take classes or was it all just what you picked up on your own? No. Oh, I mean, in Puerto Rico, we are raised with both. Right. But it's But like, there's a difference between yeah, being immersed in a and culture it's like and here, learning it in a classroom. You go you know? to high school and you take Spanish. Right. But it's really not where you're going to use. I did that, and we don't need to have a conversation in Spanish here because it will <laughs> exactly. be very difficult. It is different. So um, I think just putting yourself out there, let go of the fear, you know, that fear of saying something wrong. I know I said a bunch of wrong things. My kids will laugh at me, and they will say, Mom, don't ever say certain words because they sound like other things, <laughs> and you don't want to say that. So we look for, for other words that won't sound like that. Uh, but it was a process, and I wanted to do it. So I moved the fear away, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. And um, here I am. You know, I, I do talks. I talk to... Um, my clients and, and big groups in English, mm -hmm. and sometimes they laugh <laughs> about the things, and I say, that's okay. <laughs> the, the last thing I wanted to ask is I, I know a lot of families in Amarillo who are newcomers or, or come from a different culture, that, yes. that there's a struggle, whether this is an immigrant story, whether it's a refugee story, where it's a story like yours, mm -hmm. that... You come with, um, you know, with, with the culture of Puerto Rico or your parents' culture of Cuba. And yes. then you plant yourselves in a place like Amarillo that's a different culture. And then you raise kids. How intentional were you about raising them here in Texas, but also retaining some of that background, the traditions that were important yes. to you or the holidays or the things that um, were part of your life in Puerto Rico? How do you combine all that as a parent? I was, since the beginning, I was, we were very intentional for them to always know where they came from. Mm -hmm. Because I think as a human being, you have to have an identity. And um, yes, you were raised here, but you come from this culture. You, there's nothing wrong with knowing both cultures. Right. Um, so every summer... I will take them there, and they spend the summer there, practicing their Spanish, learning and spending time with the family, going to every area, even volunteering there, so they can involve themselves there. So I was very adamant to do that. And if you ask my kids today, they love Puerto Rico, they know about the culture, they can tell you everything about it, Well, they know everything about Amarillo, and all their friends are here. So, and they feel happy with that. I don't think, I think some times at high school, they were asked, where are you? Right. Oh, we like to categorize people. Yeah, and, and we, do, we all do that, good or bad, you know? But... And um, they, now that they're grown up and we have these discussions at home, I've learned some things that I didn't know before. And they say, no, mom, we, sometimes we feel like we're not from here, we're not from there. Where are we from? So it did help that we grown up knowing both cultures right. and saying, well, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm from here, but I was born there. So, you know, for them, maybe it was a little bit more difficult to adapt in that regards, especially in high school. But they are very thankful that we gave them that option. 
Hey, Amarillo is supported this week by Lazy Boy Home Furnishings in Amarillo. You know Lazy Boy is a national brand, but some of its stores are independently owned and operated, and the one in Amarillo is owned by the Hawkins family, who live right here in town. Almost everything they sell is American-made, and it's a lot more than just recliners. Lazy Boy's Memorial Day sale extends through this week. It's not just on Memorial Day. So go check out Amarillo's locally owned Lazy Boy Home Furnishings today at 3636 Sonsi. Hey, Amarillo is also sponsored this week by Wick Realty. Episodes of this podcast have been recorded in three different homes I've lived in over the five years of, of its existence. And Wick helped me buy and sell all those homes. In a city filled with realtors and real estate companies, they truly are one of the best. What I really love is that WIC is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So if you're buying or selling, if you're building, if you're looking for investment property, talk to Katie Wick or one of her outstanding agents. That's wickrealty.com, W-I-E-C-K. Okay, I'm back with Gloria Cabrera. Gloria, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes the Sam Wood Cabin, which was built in 1887 in a place called Hogtown, which is now a ghost town. But Sam Wood was uh, a buffalo hunter, and he was the father of the bride and the first marriage recorded in the Texas Panhandle in 1877. Uh, you can learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. Okay, uh, my first question, this is one I've been asking the last uh, 18 months or so, but okay. what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? Pandemic was such a hard time for everybody, right? And it was all of the sudden. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for me, it was the resilience of people, mm -hmm. the gratefulness, and having two persons in my family, my husband and my daughter, being in the healthcare system, working day and night with these patients and the COVID and the people dying and all that, how people were so grateful to them. And I have people showing at my house, leaving food at the door or calling to check on them. So, and the resilience going through this horrible time that we were not even expecting. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I every time I would go to the grocery store with all my masks and stuff, you know, people were doing their groceries and doing the things. So, and they came out of it the best they could, you know. So I, I think their resilience and the gratefulness. Okay. I'll ask you this because you may know more. Um, was the experience of your family or your clients in Puerto Rico, was it similar to how it was here in the United States? Did they have a lot of the a lot of the conflict about it or the political issues? Yes, or? yes. Okay. I think I, I felt it more here because I was here. Mm -hmm. I couldn't go there for, you know, right. they lifted everything. But we had the same issues. Uh, well, should we get the vaccine or should we not? I think we made everything very political. Having... My doctor being a physician, my daughter just recently graduating and doing a residency and being 20-something, and just you were worried about them. You, my thought is, give me that vaccine, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so it depends how you see it. I tried to remove the political part of it 
and just try to do some common sense and whatever feels good. Um, but yeah, we had the same political struggles okay. and all that. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> Other than wind? Um, hmm, fast food. Okay. And let me tell you, I love fast food, but there's one in every corner. That's true. <laughs> and they keep coming. And I know it's great for the economy, but I think... It's, it's great for the uh, cardiologist. Too, yeah, right? I know, but come on. <laughs> Let, let's have maybe any, maybe a little bit of balance of healthy um, food that will come here. What does this area not have enough of? Trees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Green. Uh, that's that's accurate. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, not much I can do. About no, that I one know. I know. Or can't. anyone else. <laughs> I know. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? Well, that's funny because a lot of people, when I travel to Spain, where my rest of the family live, or Puerto Rico, they've never been in Amarillo. Mm -hmm. It has a Spanish name, though. Do they, exactly. they pick up on that? Oh, yeah. They said Amarillo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with this yellow in Spanish. So, um, but in a kind of a nutshell, I always tell them, you know, um, Amarillo is in your, comparing to where you live, is a small town, but we have a lot of the big cities thing now. But the people, they have a big heart. They're very strong in their convictions and their values. They will move from there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you're open to listen and if there's something going on, they're there to help you. But don't try to move them out yeah. of their convictions. But my experience here, most of the time, is kindness and open heart. So I cannot say enough because people outside have this idea of Texas with the cowboy hats and the boots and they go for it with the rifle and, mm -hmm. you know, and they would, you know, wait, 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 let me explain to you. Right. <laughs> My kids were raised here and, you know, like every everything else, we have good things and not so good. But, yeah, it's a small town with big cities thing and the people are very, very strong in their convictions. Yeah, stubborn but kind <laughs> but people, kind. right? Yes, that's, that's great. That's probably the best way to... <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your favorite nonprofit in Amarillo? Well, when my kids were little, and even all the way through high school, they used to go every year to Evelyn River Project. Mm -hmm. So we grew up with that. But really, I love Casa. Okay. And... Um, Casa is that nonprofit that is there for children. Right. Is the voice of the children. Court appointed special advocates there for children go. in the uh, foster care system. Yes, yes. And these are kids that have been removed from their homes because, you know, very, very bad circumstances. And we're talking babies, we're talking toddlers, you know. And, we, we give them a voice. And after I volunteered with them for a few years, and I saw the work, mm -hmm. and I did the work, I was like, change completely. Hmm. Because the things you see and the effort the people that work there put and the love on those kids and the care is unbelievable. So 
I would love for people to volunteer, always looking for volunteers there. I, I want to ask about that since since you're here and you've done that. I, I think CASA is one of those organizations that to get involved and to volunteer is a heavier commitment than, say, going to snack pack for kids and packing yes. you know, some, yes. some lunch supplies. But I, I think that the, the intimidation that people might feel is not as bad as... That they think, well, I don't, I shouldn't be in a courtroom. I'm not an attorney. I don't have any yes, legal background. Yeah. Like, it feels like a different sort of thing. I wonder if you could ask, like, is it, is it as difficult as people maybe think it is, or, or what? I will tell you. As I was a volunteer, that's what I thought. But then I go there. They train you. Uh, the judge, you know, appoint you. Mm-hmm. And when you go to court, really, what you do is just go and check on those kids on the conditions. Who are they living with? What is going on at the house? You are that extra voice. You don't have to have any knowledge of law or psychology or anything. It's just common sense. Is the kids uh, being taken care mm-hmm. of or not? Are they are the kids being is the kid being healthy? Do you see anything that is questionable? And then when you go to the court, you're one of the person that the judge may ask you. What are your thoughts? What did you see when you went to the house? And you are the voice there for that kid. And you make a big difference because those kids, they don't know what is going on with them. So if you have experience as a parent or an aunt or an uncle, like yeah. you have the qualifications necessary yes, to do that. Yes, yes, Okay, what's your favorite local restaurant? I really like Crush downtown. Mm-hmm. And... We also like Metropolitan. Okay. It's close to my house. We go there all the time. But if we go downtown, we'll be crushed. Is there anything close to Puerto Rican food in Amarillo? Uh, no. <laughs> we have a lot of Mexican food. We have a lot of Mexican food. But it's food, not the same. But uh, no, definitely not the same. It's good. We like it. We love it. But it's not the same. We When we go to Denver or Washington to visit my kids, or San Antonio, where mm-hmm. my daughter is, there's there are Puerto Rican restaurants there that we go visit. <laughs> okay, is there much of a Puerto Rican culture here? I mean, just just in terms of no. people with that background, you I, know, I don't feel like I meet few, too many. But not that many. Okay. No. no, not like if you go to San Antonio, they right. have a big community, or even Dallas have a huge Puerto Rican community. What's your favorite local coffee shop? I have to say. She points to a Starbucks cup that is on the uh, podcast table here. My husband always said, we we go, when we go for dates, uh, at coffees, we go to roasters. Okay. And my husband said, I really don't drink coffee because he doesn't think this tastes like coffee. He likes a strong coffee. Mm. So I would say roasters, especially when I'm out with my husband or friends. Okay. And when was the last time you visited Paladero Canyon? For me, it's been a while, but I have to say that my husband and my kids love it so much that every time they're in town, they either go hiking mm-hmm. or they're getting their bikes. That their mountain bikes? The mountain bikes. Mm-hmm. They put their helmet and they spend the whole morning there. They love it. They okay. Love it. Well, that's a great place to do both of those activities mm-hmm. for sure. That concludes the eight straight questions, Gloria. I like to close by asking my guest to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Well, like I was telling you, I think CASA, 
I will endorse that 100%. It's very close to my heart. And if you love kids or you even have kids, I mean, this is great. And all the work they do for those kids, I think CASA for me will be that nonprofit that you should go for. Okay. Gloria Cabrera, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thank I you for being it. here. It was my pleasure. <laughs> And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Gloria for the interview. Learn more about her work at trulyyoulifeandwellness.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors the Texas Outdoor Musical, Wick Realty, Lazy Boy Home Furnishings, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, and I hope that you do, and if you didn't like it, why did you listen all the way to the end? I'd love a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the show. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Hey Amarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Jason Burr, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 250, which is a milestone number but it feels like I just had my 200th episode a few weeks ago, so I didn't do anything special to commemorate this one. So here you go. Thanks for listening. Anyway, my name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.